Hi, good morning, and welcome to another episode of Ask Ellie Intuitive Insights and Your Questions Answered. Today's episode is a little different than normal. So this time it's not a live call, it's a recording, and I am so excited to have a very special guest with me today. And my guest is none other than David J. Wallace, the author of The Journey of Our Souls. And I'm very excited that David is joining us today. And let me just share with you a little bit about David. But David J. Wallace is an author. He's a professional keynote speaker. He's an educator. He's a kahu. Kahu. Is, help me out. Kahu? Kahu. 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 Kahu, he's a Reiki master, remote viewer. He is a seer. Um, He's a native Hawaiian cultural practitioner. He's a medical intuitive. He's a psychic intuitive. He's the founder of, oh boy, I I needed to have asked him before we go. Okay, healing and medical (laughs) intuition methodology and the developer of the picking the winner method of predicting the future. Okay, David offers training workshops in healing, medical intuition, predicting sports events and choosing winning roulette and lottery numbers. Okay, David is also a former high school social studies teacher. He's got a BA in teaching uh, with emphasis on history and psychology. And he also has an MS in public administration from the University of Hawaii and a master's in metaphysical science and divinity from the Metaphysical University. And he's currently a doctoral candidate in metaphysical science. Now, Kahu Wallace was born on the island of Molokai? Molokai. Molokai. Oh, and he was raised in the Hawaiian homestead community of... All right, now I'm not even going to go with this one. Go, go, David. Where Ole hua. Okay. And he's been immersed in Hawaiian culture since childhood. We're going to talk about his head injury in a little bit and that there were many, many um, experiences that he had that followed these brushes with death. And David is a descendant of ruling chiefs, kahunas, healers, seers, seafarers, navigators, explorers, educators, fishermen, farmers, and warriors. And he's learned to communicate with these ancestors through dreams, visions, and visitations. His ancestors tutored and inspired him to develop his natural abilities and reach beyond his limitations. And I am so, seriously, I am very excited to be here with David today and to start talking about so many of his experiences and the things that he has to teach us and synchronicities. And he's even going to tell you a little bit about his book and how you can start to get in touch with your ancestors and spirit guides. So David, welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, mahalo. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to add to the bio? That's already too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. It's really great. And you know, I want this to be interactive. So one of my clients asked me recently, and this is just like a great way to start. One of my clients asked me recently, um, I've been doing, in her words, she's been doing all of this work and not able to, how does she know she's tapping into her spirit guides? And how can she tell if she's tapping into her spirit guides? And um, I had an answer, but now that we're having this conversation, it's like, I would love to hear what your thoughts are, (laughs) because I saw a chapter in your book on that. And um, just FYI, David's book, again, is Journey of the journey of our souls. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about where you can get that and why you need to get that. But David, tell me, what can we tell, what can we tell this client about how to get in touch with their ancestors and spirit guides? Well, first of all, there is a difference between spirit guides and your ancestors from our beliefs. The first difference is that the spirit guides are spirits outside of us okay and they come and go as we need and a lot of times uh, they operate under a certain set of rules where if you want intervention or help from a spirit guide you need to ask (laughs) okay 
right you yeah. need to you need to ask so if you're if you're getting ideas or thoughts that come to you without asking more than likely it's an internal um either internal talk that you do to yourself you're speaking to yourself or these are your internal uh, ancestors that's part of your dna so all of your direct lineage, uh, your mom, your dad, your grandpa, uh, your grandma, all the way back to the beginning of your line, uh, they're inside you already. So that's the second voice that you have. So when we talk, when I talk about ancestors, these are the ancestors, the internal ones that's inside of us, that um, they're part of our DNA. And they're there for our, uh, for us. And a lot of times, these are the ones that are kind of like poking and prodding you. Hey, boy, do this <laughs> or yeah. do that, because they have a direct interest in you. Because I am part of them, and they are part of me. Mm. So that's the main difference between uh, you know spirit guides and your ancestors. Okay, cool. Thank you. And any advice or suggestions for how someone who's listening to this podcast could access them? Anything that they could be saying besides just, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people hesitate to call on their ancestors because I constantly get uh, these people who are anxious about contacting them. They say, I don't know who they are. I don't know their names. Mm-hmm. Right. That's it. So my, my suggestion to them, well, you may not know them, but they know you. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, they know you and they're right. part of you already. So it doesn't matter if you know them or not. As long as you point towards the ancestors in their direction and you call on them. Um, Hawaiians have a lot of chants that uh, call on the ancestors. And one of the, my favorite chants is Namakua. And it's a calling to our ancestors back to the beginning of time. Mm. And we believe that when we need the ancestors and we call them, they come. Yes, yes. So it, regardless of whether you know them, they know you and they love you and they wanna see you prosper and be happy. <laughs> Right. No. And that's so, so true and so beautiful. And it reminds me of, of a movie that I saw many, many years ago. I forget the name of the movie now where he called on all of his ancestors to help bring him to, to the country that he was going to. He was in a boat. Do you remember? Um, Sound like the scene out of Amistad. Yes. Amistad. That's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he called yeah. on all the ancestors to yeah. guide. And it, oh, what a beautiful scene that was. Very yeah. powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In fact, the way you talk about his ancestors, like uh, we exist now, okay, because of them. Exactly. In yes. fact, the only reason the ancestors existed is so that we can exist today at this right. moment. That's right. <laughs> and is that part of is that part of Hawaiian belief also? Yes, because uh, the ancestors for us. Uh, you know, understanding our genealogy and our links to our past, uh, who we were, and this is another quote from Amistad, who we were is who we are. Beautiful. So in order to understand who we are today, we need to turn and look towards our ancestors and what they, uh, what they were able to accomplish, who they were, and all of their collective knowledge and hopes and dreams have been placed in our laps. And uh, it's our responsibility to carry that out, you know? <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, yeah, you just, you're reminding me of the film. It's been so many years now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, great movie, great movie. And um, so much wisdom in there. So yes, thank you. Yeah, so, one more, Ellie. Um, while we're still on ancestors, one note of caution. Um, if you call all of your ancestors, they'll come. The proper way to call your ancestors is to be specific on what type of ancestor you want. 
Um, if I'm doing healing work and I need my healing ancestors mm -hmm. that were smart and had the mana to heal, that's who I address and I say, you know, my ancestors who were uh, healers, kahuna lapao, lao lapao, um, you know, lao kahea, all of these different classifications of kahuna that would help me in the healing that I'm doing. Those are the ones that I call to step forward because they're the ones that um, are knowledgeable and they're the ones that are going to be helping me. Uh, it makes no sense to call on a fisherman to do that. <laughs> right. or, or, they go, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like drunk, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, awesome. All right, that's great advice. And I'm gonna, and I'm intending that people will, you know, use it to reach their their spirit guides and their ancestors and. Sure. Uh, I know a lot of people are think that it has to happen like on TV where, you know, some spirit is standing right in front of us in a physical form. And so often um, that is a misconception. They come to us in voices and feelings and knowingness, um, in my experience. And occasionally, yes, we've seen them, but it's not like in TV or in the um, Western culture um depictions of the angels standing there next to the children that with the wings and we can see them. So we're looking for that because we're not going to find that. I, I mean, if you do, okay, <laughs> tell me what you're, you know, tell me what you're, what you're on. And uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting, but for the most part, again, expectations. All right. Very, very cool. All right. Thank you for that. So um, <laughs> just so that people know a little bit of like where we met, we met back in 2012 when I was still living in Washington and you and I were both working and you were in Hawaii and we were both working on psychic development with children and well, not kids, children, well, teens, teens and kids. And that's where we met. So we had our psychic connection back in 2012. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, both former educators, and then we've had some parallels weaving in and out throughout all of these years. Um, very awesome. Okay, I am interested in telling our listeners all about your book. So where do we start? What had you decide to write it? Or um, even your first chapter, I mean, with your near-death experience when you were five. So Tell us what, the, you know, what you think would be the highlights for us to get from your book, aside from people <laughs> need to order it and read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. The main reason I wrote this book is that as I started counseling people and helping people in their struggles, a lot of the same comments were coming up is, uh, you know, you had gifted people that had these gifts from the time they were little. And as they started growing and displaying these gifts, they were punished first by their parents, then their peers, then whatever religion they belong to. And they were punished for uh, displaying these natural abilities. And they felt frustrated. And this frustration is something that I grew up with because I could see things, I could hear things and do things that were not normal. <laughs> so I was constantly being um, punished in a way. Um, so as I started hearing these stories around me and uh, kids in school used to come up and talk to me about their struggles that they're having in their own family because they have these gifts. I felt that if I shared my story and my experience that uh, people, by reading this experience and seeing what I went through, they can relate and say, hey, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not alone. There's right. somebody out there that went through the same thing. And hopefully, if they read my book and get in touch with me, I can help them through their, you know, through their journey. That's why I call it the journey of our souls. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this just reminds me of... Um, 
kids that are, you know, let's say teenagers or even younger who are so mm -hmm. misunderstood right now by our culture or even their parents so that they're made to think that there's something wrong with them, that they've got some sort of mental, if like they're highly empathic or they're highly psychic, that there's something wrong with them because they're seeing and feeling so many things and parents get upset with them. And of course the school goes and labels them because a lot of it, we know this from being in education that there's not that much awareness and understanding in this area yet. So, you know, I know that right. you have been really big advocates on bringing all of this to education all of these years, <laughs> uh, but education is a very tight institution and it's going to take a lot to change that. But I think this is really great that it's a fabulous book for people to read, to understand that, you know, we have these experiences and not everybody, but many people who do um, will be then attracted to this book and be able to go do the work. So that's really great. Um, you had your first NDE, NDE at five. Yeah. Yes. You want to share that? I mean, I think that was pretty <laughs> a wild story there. Sure. Uh, the NDE started uh, actually right before the NDE. My brother and I were playing in the backseat of these old cars. And in these old cars, in order to open up the door from the inside, you pull the handle down. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe it was a DeSoto that we were riding in and we we're in a back seat then. No seat belts during that time, <laughs> you know? So we were playing in the back and he kicked me and I flew from one side of the car to the other. And I grabbed the door handle and pulled down and the door opened and sucked me out. So I fell on a road. Right. And when I fell on the road, I felt this sharp pain. And then all of a sudden, uh, I was, there was kind of like a momentary blank, like just like knocking out and losing conscious, whatever. And the next thing I remember is floating in the air above my body, looking down. And I saw blood coming out. Uh, my auntie, who was driving at the time, uh, came running out. My brother came running out, and they were trying to uh, take care of me. But I was floating above and seeing everything. And at first, I didn't understand what was happening. But as I realized that that person laying on the ground was me, I began to get really scared. And when I got scared, and I started looking around and, you know, when we, when we look at our world with our regular eyes, it's really different from uh, being a spirit and looking and seeing things because there's things that's part of our natural world that's there, but we cannot see, but as a spirit, we can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I started seeing these weird forms there were shadows, there were different things going on, and uh, it made me scared. Mm -hmm. It made me afraid. And as soon as this fear started kind of like touching my stomach, and I, I wanted to cry, actually, and I felt this uh, hand come around me and hug me and pulled me into him. And when I looked back, I, I wanted to fight and struggle at first. But when I look back, there was this huge man, <laughs> giant. Mm. Mm. And he picked me up and he kind of like looked at me. When I looked at him, he kind of just nudged in a little smile. And uh, he didn't say anything, but we started flying away. Wow. And we started flying, starting zipping through, um, through space and you know, there's scenes from Star Wars and all of these um, science fiction movies where lights are going beep, 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 when they hit warp speed or light speed mm -hmm. and they start zooming. Um, it's very similar like that, like cars passing by at night, but they're going really fast. Mm -hmm. And I could feel movement going through. And in a short time, flying through this um thing, I, I don't know what it was, uh, we ended up in a small room, and this room has many sides and doors, 
And when we came down, we came from the top and entered down, it was like a deep cavern. And we entered into this room and he kept me there for a while. And while we, while we were there, uh, we had some conversations. Um, on the outside of the door, the room, there were demons. There were uh, people that were trying to entice me to go out of the room and join them. But my guardian kept me from doing that. So that's, that's about it. That was my first experience. Um, I asked this man that had taken me, uh, where was I? Was I in heaven? And he told me, no, I was in a safe place. Mm-hmm. And a place where, um, you know, I had to wait uh, until my body was ready to receive me again. So we talked about a lot of things, the meaning of my name. Mm-hmm. And um, it's for, for Hawaiians, our names are important because a name uh, carries mana and intentions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he spent a lot of time talking about my name. Yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, it's awesome that you got pushed back into your body. I'm going to call it getting pushed back into your body. Yeah. That's been um, my experience with it. Not just, I had my own um, near ND. For those of you who are listening to this, an NDE is a near-death experience. And I too had my first one at five years old and I rarely ever, ever talk about it. Uh, But that was my first one. It was a swimming accident. And yeah. And um, I remember being pushed back into my body after I was out of my body and watching everything that was going on. But then there was, I don't know what you want to call it, a hand of God or a hand or a force (laughs) that pushed me back into that body and um, my recollections, I, I didn't have like really great fantasies, you know, not fantasies. I didn't see or experience a whole lot of things. I was definitely in a very black place, very dark. Everything was very, very dark because yeah. I was underwater when it was happening. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but everything was very, very dark when I was in that space. And then mm-hmm there were these light beings around me up on the top of me. And then they pulled me. I mean, I really don't even know the whole thing because I was, I think I was unconscious at that time. Then the light beings pulled me out and I remember getting pushed back into the body. But by then I was already on the, the ground and, you know, spouting out water or some stuff like that. Yeah. Um, My, yeah, never yeah. kept from not going back into the water. <laughs> it was like, oh, <laughs> <was> a fish. <laughs> yeah. My reentry into my body felt more like I was being pulled and okay. falling, falling because uh, I was in the room. I was still in the room mm-hmm. and I fell asleep in, uh, in the arms of my caretaker and I fell asleep. And the next thing I remember, I felt like something pulling me and it felt like a vacuum pulling me mm-hmm. and I fell backwards. And uh, when I hit something, I actually landed back in my body. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it was a sensation of being pulled and falling mm-hmm. and get up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Such a, yeah. These are so, you know, I remember just my mother had one when she, was being operated on and she was in her 80s and she came and told me you know she she was above the operating table she saw everything she heard the doctors talking about her and then somebody said it's not you know she said I want to come now I want to come I'm ready to go and then someone said it's not your time and then she was sharing that she was pushed back into her body also like there was a force that pushed her back into her body like that and that had me think about interesting you know that I too got pushed back into my body like that so who knows if that's a family thing right but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. well it's, it's interesting because my fourth nd was when i had my uh open heart surgery mm-hmm. so that's later on but that's my fourth nd were you pushed into your body during that one did you feel pushed into your body do you remember pushed actually back? 
the same sensation of being sucked and falling. Okay. Uh, my first and fourth NDEs were very similar. Mm -hmm. I went I went back to the same place. Wow. And uh, the same guardian, except uh, in my fourth NDE, I had more uh, spirit uh, spirit protectors around me. There were four of them instead of just one. Mm -hmm. And so the four kept me in the room and I was fighting with them. I wanted to get out, mm -hmm. but um, it was good that there were four of them, but I got exhausted fighting with them <laughs> and, and I fell asleep and same thing. When I fell asleep, the next thing I knew I was falling and I woke up and there were tubes in my mouth and in my nose. I was trying to pull them out. <laughs> but oh, wow. yeah. I was, yeah, I was recovering by that time. Wow, such interesting things. I want to circle back. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you're alive, okay? Because you are here to do it for <laughs> yeah, work. Me yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. I want to circle back to the thing that you said about our names. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more about that, uh, about the about your, you know, your name. And I know you have an exercise in your book about your sure. name also. And so can you tell us a little bit about that, about your name, the name section, like the importance uh, of our name? Sure. Uh, Hawaiians and a lot of Polynesians uh, give very careful thought to naming their children, uh, their homes, the tools that they use, uh, you know, their boats, whatever. And so everything has a name. And for, uh, for children, like my grandchildren, when my, uh, when my children were uh, ready to have children, uh, all of my grandchildren came to me first. And I saw them and in a dream, I knew what kind of person they would be. So by the time I finished having a dream. I knew what name they uh, would be fitting for them. So a name is really important because when you name something, um, you're giving life to that object and you're giving the person uh, mana. For example, my Hawaiian name is Imai Kalani and it was given to me by my grandmother my paternal grandmother, Ellen, <laughs> and um, she had a dream before when I was uh, still in my mom's stomach, and she had a dream of this man who was talking to the gods mm -hmm. and uh, talking face to face with them, mm -hmm. and that's what she explained to me. Right, right. So she gave me the name Imaikalani, and Imaikalani means a person that's uh, bef that comes before the heavens mm -hmm. and, um, you know, converses with, the, uh, converses with the angels and with God. So the communication going on between they hear me and I hear them. And so it was a wish of my grandmother to uh, be more spiritual minded and open up myself to this communication because it would play an important role in my life. Yeah. So in uh, considering a name, and for me, when I give someone a name, a lot of times uh, I have to dream about it mm -hmm. and um, be aware of what's happening in a dream. And I'll take the, uh, I'll take the essence of the dream, the meaning behind the dream, and compose a name, nice. a fitting name. Now, did you give your na the names to your grandchildren? Yeah, they're Hawaiian them? names. Right, okay, and your kids agreed. They, they were like, okay, that's great. Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, I know that my name is an interesting name in Hebrew, and it means Eli, which is God is my light. Ah, and yeah. Yeah, and it was like, oh, gee, you know, they they chose that intentionally, and I thought that was very cool. I mean, I didn't appreciate it when I was younger, because um, Ellie was a very uncommon name back in the day in my in my generation, and so 
but as I got older, I began and I understood the, the meaning of my name and the importance of my name. Then I was like, oh yeah, this is really very cool. This is a very, very cool, cool name. Especially if you saw my astrological chart, <laughs> it fits in really well together with my, where all the planets were at the time of my birth in astrology it was like, uh-huh. oh yeah, you know. Very interesting combination. Uh, okay, awesome. All right, and so I'm going to encourage people to pick up your book again and the journey of our souls and take a look at some of David's chapters and exercises in there. There's just so much opportunity for growth and development and to really get into yourself and and really see yourself through different eyes than other um, self, let's call it self-help books look at. It's a whole different perspective. This is the, spec- the perspective of the psychic self. And I just love the psychic, the intuitive self. Obviously, I, I love all of this, you know? <laughs> um, and it's just so, so wonderful. Okay. Do you have anything you want to add? Because you know where I'm going to go, right? You know where I'm headed. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> No, seriously, anything that you want to you want to add or anything about the book that you want to share with people, like anything that you besides like, hey, get a copy of my book and do the exercises and learn and learn. Yeah, um, well, the the book itself, again, it contains the four um, stories of uh, my four near death experiences, but it also ties into um, I also include family stories and stories that uh, occurred to uh, people in the public, uh, other people that had uh, near-death experiences and what they went through. And so the more important thing I I think about uh, the book is after you experience something spiritual and you're given a gift, the next thing is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? That's right. Um, are you just going to sit there and say, okay, I'm, I'm happy that I got this? Or are you going to work and try and expand and improve it? Right. And for me, the challenge was to not only learn how to control the gifts that I had, but how to expand it. Yeah. And how can I use it um, to bring me joy and pleasure? and to help other people at the same time. And mm-hmm. so that's why uh, when, when a lot of people look at what I do with gaming and the lottery and things like that, they go, oh, Dave, uh, you sure you're supposed to be using your God-given talents for that? I says, uh, if God gave me this, wouldn't he trust me in, in the way I develop it? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, yeah, and this is, this ties into last, last week's podcast. Um, somebody asked me, one of the questions for Ask Ellie was, is it wrong? Basically, remember, we had this conversation also. Is it, you know, uh, is it yeah. wrong? Their frame was, can't people be, I don't remember the exact question, but it was along the lines of, can't people have a lot of money and be spiritual at the same time? Like, why do you have to be spiritual and broke? And I said, I don't know who told you that. Okay. I don't know. Where, <laughs> you know, what, what good is being spiritual if you don't have money? I mean, money help money's an energy. It helps people. The more money that one has, the more people you can help. It does. It's not all about, you know, amassing large fortunes so that you can just sit in your, just sits in your bank account. I mean, most people who have, and I'm going to say most people who have amassed great deals of fortune, they've done really good things for humanity and they've done things for the world and they've done things for people who are less fortunate. So, and then I even said, you know, even mother Teresa, she may have been broke, but she had a lot of people paying for her. All right. So it wasn't that she was well-funded, even if her, you know, if her own pocketbook was empty, but she, she was not lacking. And so I look at it, um, there, I look at it like, you know what? We can use remote viewing. We can use all of these psychic skills 
to there's a lottery. Someone created a human created a lottery for fun. <laughs> and so here we go. And we can use remote viewing skills, remote viewing for people who are just listening this to this podcast for the first time is the ability to see over time, distance and space without the use of one's physical eyes. And David is a professional remote viewer. You also teach remote viewing, don't you? Don't you teach it? Yes. Um, the specific area of remote viewing that I decided to um, specialize in is associative remote viewing. Right, right. Yeah, because uh, re regular remote viewing is really not trying to predict the future, but associative remote viewing, the purpose of associative remote viewing is looking at the end result of a future event. So um, that's the main difference. In fact, uh, when I first wrote an article about my experience uh, for Aperture Magazine, for mm -hmm. our, our Erva. Right. And uh, I'm gonna I, yeah. for people who okay. don't know that, David and I are also members of the International Remote Viewing Association. <laughs> and, yeah. and we're also, we're both into associative remote viewing which is different from controlled remote viewing. And yeah. um, Aperture is a magazine that is published by the International Remote Viewers Association, yeah. if anyone's interested in that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, right. and the article I wrote for them and, and they published it, they corrected me and said that um, associative remote viewing is actually a mind tasking um, you know, protocol. Mm -hmm. And it's really not remote viewing because you are training your mind to look at something in the near future, near or distant future. And again, um, in, as you know, in associative remote viewing, the target is not as important as the meaning attached to it. And so I can sit down and do squiggly lines. In fact, um, there is a uh, remote viewing tournament app that people use, and I've been judging on that app. And some of these people just draw squiggly lines and, you know, look utter chaos. And for me as a judge, it's really difficult to see that. But you know what? Some of these guys who do that, they pick their right target. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Right. So, you know, the, the objective of uh, ARV is to pick the right target mm -hmm. that's going to match the feedback. So if you can do that, um, standing knee deep in water and singing whatever and stuff, that's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And um, that's why when I teach remote viewing, I, I basically just teach it with blinders and see what you see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to draw squiggly lines, just don't label it, okay? Don't label it at a ball. If it's round, just go with round. And um, if you see some shapes or something on it, then see if you can draw that or do it, but don't label. Wait until the very, unless you know for certain that that is yeah. a ball. Otherwise, best to avoid labels. Um, I just yeah, want to- Yeah, the, la the labeling will, will take your mind to this side trip. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. way off yeah exactly so one of my one of my um friends was just remote viewing on scikids which is my website psi-kids.com where we i post a remote view every week and so huh? you look at a treasure chest and you see what you see in the treasure chest and you come back so last week she saw round things and um it just turned out that uh they were round things there were um they were, oh my God, what a, and I, they were some sort of, there was an instrument and, and um, they were round. They had round, a round shape to it. And um, it was just really, it was interesting to see that. that <laughs> awesome. Hadn't put the ball on there and said, oh, it's a ball that she would have had, you know, in remote viewing, it would be called a hit, you know, not a bullseye, but a hit. It would have been a hit, a nice hit. Anyway, let's get back to my favorite subject for now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay? Transcending spiritualism. No, we want to use, you know, again, awareness and spirituality all go hand in hand. Sure. And now we're looking at 
foreseeing the future by picking lottery numbers. And um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your, if you don't mind, are you okay with sharing a little bit about what you're doing with um, the numbers? And uh, yeah, because I want to talk about remote influencing the numbers also, which is different than what you're doing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, go for it. Okay. The lotteries that I'm currently working on are the Powerball and the Mega Million. Mm -hmm. Right now, the Mega Million is uh, really small. It's uh, barely above 30, uh, 30 million. And the Powerball just uh, went over 60, which is my goal. Uh, so the, uh, the Powerball is now a target of mine. Okay. Okay. And uh, both lotteries, I look at them as being the same lottery because there's only one digit difference. Okay. Um, in the Powerball, there's 69 uh, regular numbers and 26 uh, numbers that are drawn from the power for the Powerball. Mm -hmm. On the Mega Million, you got 70 numbers and 25 numbers That's for right. the Mega Ball. Right. So basically, they're the same, yeah. uh, same lottery. So when I look at the lotteries and take a look at their past history and or their concurrent history as they going along and being drawn, um, a lot of the numbers blend mm -hmm. and mix. Um, sometimes when I create a number set for the, uh, for the Mega Million, which is the first one drawn, uh, in the week, uh, it's drawn on Tuesdays and, and Fridays. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes the numbers that I create for the uh, Mega Million miss, but it's nail <laughs> it nails all of the numbers on the Powerball. So the next night, that happened to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a theory about that. Okay, so that's I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I'm really curious, and we've spoken about this. You and I have spoken about you know the way your method for the the numbers and. Um, mm -hmm. So, and where people, if people, I'm just going to pitch you this right now. So if anybody's really interested in playing lottery and following David's method, um, work, they can find you. And do you want to share where they can find you and they can see your process? <laughs> sure. I post my lottery numbers, uh, the numbers itself and the forms that I use to create uh, the lottery. The one that I do post, uh, it's a... Um, mainly matrix system, looking at patterns that occur in the draw. So what I mean by patterns, I look at the frequency of numbers, the size of the numbers, even odd numbers, and uh, the distance between the numbers uh, as they're pulled. So um, I have number profiles. I create number profiles for each set. And so the numbers that I fit within those sets meet, meet those profiles. So that's the logical way of <laughs> me approaching the lottery because sometimes the psychic ability is on vacation. <laughs> so I use that, uh, mm -hmm. the logic side. On the other hand, the, the other method that I use to attack the lottery is a pictogram. Right, we talked uh, about that. Yeah, so for uh, the lotteries, I have 70, 70 pictures from uh, representing number one through 70. Uh, each of them has their own unique picture, okay? And so when I remote view the lottery, and the reason why I went with pictures is that one of the... Um, one of the things that I was taught early on in remote viewing is that remote viewers had a difficult time seeing numbers. And so I thought about it. Okay, if we get difficult time seeing numbers, but we can see pictures, why don't we use pictures instead? Mm -hmm. Right, right. So the pictures are pretty simple. Like uh, the picture for number one is a nice tall rocket. Mm -hmm. Two is a shoe, three right. is a tricycle. <laughs> you know, so you go down and 
uh, all of these different things have a logical, at least to me. Me, to you. <laughs> okay, at least it means something to me. And, uh, you know, so each of these pictures means something, it means a number to me. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's how I use these symbols to remote view the lottery. Yeah, it's awesome. And they people can find you on YouTube. It just have to look yeah. for David. David J. Wallace backslash picking winners. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So one of the things that I do with the lottery, um, now I haven't had any big, big winnings yet. Okay. I use remote influencing. So I figured ah. I might as well influence the numbers. So what that looks like is I choose my numbers. Sometimes I choose my numbers according to yours. You know, I'll go look on your website. Uh, not your website. I'll go look at um, the YouTube and I'll take a look at your numbers. And then because I believe this is how I, this is how I look at it. If enough people are looking at 27 is the winning number, 27 is going to win, 27 is going to win. So it's kind of like going to the horse races. Think of the energy the horses are going, right? And the people are sure. 27 or whatever the guy's name is, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Well, then with the random generator kind of energy thing, lightning bolt starts because the energy is going in that direction. So the quantum, the quantum field, so lightning bolt starts to go ahead, ahead, ahead. So if enough people are looking at a 27 hit, 27 hit, 27 hit. Well, guess what's gonna come out of that lottery ball machine is gonna be the 27. So what I like to do is the night before the lottery, sometimes two nights before the lottery, I will go into a state of uh, meditation. That's, I wouldn't even call it meditation. How about relaxing, closing my eyes sure. and then remote influencing three, three, three. I see the three, the three will get called. The 10 will get called. Now I've done this a few times and I've noticed that I get the first two numbers, right? Like that. And it is amazing. Almost as if so much energy has gone into those first two numbers, but I don't have enough energy to fulfill on the second half. So one time I, I tried this with, I, I, I enlisted two of my friends to do this with me. I think, was it you who I spoke to, to do this? Were you the one? Okay. No. So, all right, I spoke to somebody and they said, well, why don't you just do the first, you two do like you, Ellie, take the first two numbers. Joe will take the middle two numbers and Sally right. will take the third two numbers. And then you do that and, you know, do for lottery because you only have six numbers. So we did it. And, you know, unfortunately, we only did it once, but we did it and, um, you know, it didn't work. But then again, like it, it's energy. It's just energy. It takes to me, it's, to yeah. energy. it's the amount of energy that you want to put into it. How long do you want to focus on those numbers? How much energy do you want to give it? And I, that's why I believe that those numbers that you call on the lotto or let's say the power mega ball show up on the power ball because the energy of those numbers has been played and people were focusing on those numbers. So it's just a theory. I can't prove it. I can't disprove it. <laughs> well, the one time that I matched the five numbers all on um, the primary numbers without <laughs> hitting the, uh, the mega ball, I, I got all five of them lined up. Mm -hmm. And uh, the interesting thing about that is that when I, I remember viewing that uh, set of numbers, all of the pictures came at once. Mm. Just like, boom. And, uh, you know, at first I fought it off, but it kept on recurring, 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 recurring. And so I finally said, okay, I'm going to give in and started. <clears throat> I drew it exactly in the order and that's what hit. <laughs> Wow. And wow. the the mega ball just missed by one digit. Wow, wow, wow. Mm. So I was over there. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love these stories. And I don't know if you're familiar with him. You probably are. Timothy Schultz, you know Timothy Schultz? He was um so Timothy Schultz was um Marty from ARV had Timothy Schultz on his podcast. Timothy oh, okay. Timothy was not his podcast, his his talk with series. Timothy yeah. was a Powerball winner back in the 90s. 
and he brings winners onto his YouTube series. And then they talk about what they did to win and how, and all the stories. And they are just incredible stories of the people <laughs> that he has interviewed and the way that they have just won their mega millions or their Powerballs or their big, their big winnings, just crazy stories. It just, yeah. just crazy stories. I love listening to him. So his name is Timothy Schultz and he's on YouTube yeah. also if anybody's interested. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, we've got about a couple minutes left. Is there anything else that you want to share with us and listeners and, um, you know, some advice you can give, you know, <laughs> everybody loves advice. Well, I'm, I'm going to plug my book. Uh, you can find my book on Amazon. Uh, yeah. that's an ebook and also the paperback. Uh, you can find it there. It's also on your website. You have a website. Yeah, I, I do have a website, but that one is for my hard, uh, hardcover. Yeah, but it's not, some yeah. people might like to have hard hardcovers also. So if yeah. you're looking for a hardcover book, you they can look at the journey of oursouls.com, and sure. then that they can order their hard copy from, and that would be really wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's about it. Um, I'm, we we covered a lot. <laughs> we did, we did. All right. So for anybody looking, go find David J. Wallace. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on the internet. You can schedule a session with him. He does he does psychic work. He does healing work. He you can just have a a talk with him and. <laughs> I am sure that David would be very happy to help guide people on their journeys of their souls. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. If, if people are looking for me on uh, Facebook, uh, on, the, on Facebook, I'm Kahu Dave. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. There you go. So, and then of course, there's always, you can always email me and I will put you right in touch with Kahu Dave. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, it has been a pleasure having you on, on the podcast today. And um, let's go win some. You got, we got a game coming in tomorrow night. All right, so yep. let's go do that. <laughs> get the numbers in, get your tickets. <laughs> All, right. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, thank you. <laughs>